0: We are live. Welcome to another edition of the Bloom Ninety Podcast, presented by proudly present. Well, present. They're definitely presented by Iris Thirty One. Uh, you'd have to ask them if they're proud of it. Uh, I, I. I won't. Uh, make judgments uh, on their behalf, but it is another edition of the Bloom Podcast presented by Irish Thirty One. Guys, some exciting stuff here. Uh, you guys already see that we've got a guest uh, here tonight, but hey, USF Bulls watch parties at all six Irish locate uh, Irish Thirty One locations all season long. There's going to be uh, there's going to be a watch party next week uh, at the Seminole location. Okay, and then there's going to be a Daily Stampede Watch Party at Irish 31 in Hyde Park on uh, Thursday, October 28th, as the Bulls face ECU in North Carolina. So, guys, make sure you you come out. We'll have more information. We'll have ticket giveaways. We'll have raffles to give away. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, come out and uh, commiserate with uh, your... USF fans and and friends and, and meet uh, you know the people that you interact with on on Twitter and Facebook and and YouTube and Instagram and everywhere you uh, you go, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun at the, the similar location. Uh, they'll have Magic 94.9 on site uh, for the Bulls bonus watch party with ticket giveaway, sponsor swag, and everything like that. And guys, make sure you snap a picture with coach Scott. There's a cardboard cutout at every pub and share to Instagram for a chance to win tickets to the next USF home game. Make sure you tag at Irish 31 pub and hashtag horns up. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, we we uh we found out the home field discount of a daily stampede is still active for first time buyers. Uh, they just released Boston College and Georgia Tech over the weekend. There's still plenty of USF stuff. This is one of the most comfortable shirts I've ever worn. I've got the uh, the Robo Goat as well. Uh, I saw Nick Simon uh, TDS rider and DK Nation rider. He got his March Victoria shirt in today. They're coming out, guys. Make sure you check it out. Make sure you, you go to HomeFieldApparel.com. Use promo code daily stampede for 15% off your order for first-time buyers. Now that all the legal stuff is out of the way, you see them, you you know them, you either love them or hate them. Uh, maybe you're maybe you're indifferent to them. But welcome to the podcast. Colin Sherwin. He's the sports editor at uh, it's college sports editor at DK Nation. It's under the the Vox umbrella, where I guess we're kind of work partners here, um, except you get all the cool stuff, and uh, I I get what I get, and I'll be yes, happy with. It.
1: But you have a verified Twitter account now, so thank you to Vox Media for that. Yes, they, yes, they, they did have, get that done for you. They, they, they get did. The
0: uh, I just need to get them to get my actual uh, Twitter account verified too, and that we'll be all set.
1: Oh, I can do that. Perfect. I'll put you on the list. I can actually put you on the list for that. So I, Thank I
0: you very you. much. Please, please uh, go ahead and do that. It takes, for, it takes forever, but we will get it done for you. Um, I appreciate it. Colin, welcome so, to the yeah, podcast. It's been a few it's weeks. been a while, buddy. Uh, I
1: spent the last five and a half weeks in Las Vegas. Uh, it's been warm. It's been fun. Um, <laughs> definitely easier for my job to be on Pacific coast time so that I'm going to bed at a reasonable hour instead of a not reasonable hour every day. Um, but it's been fun. But I want to add to a couple of things that you said. Um, one, Irish 31 on the 28th. I will be there because I can walk there. That's like right over there. Um, and it's a great bar, great spot. Support Jay Mize, um, who has not only supported this podcast, but is a, one of the OG football players from USF in the 97 team. Um, and he's got a great spot. Um, Drake's retreat. cheat. Good people, good service. And it's a uh, nice to support like a, a community location. That's like reinvesting back in the community. So definitely if you can be there, um, I do have the robo goat shirt. I'm not wearing it right now. I'm wearing my lightning shirt, but, um, I do have the robo goat. It's fantastic. It's really super comfortable. Everything from Homefield I've ever gotten is, is terrific. Um, so do that as well. And, uh, yeah, come to the, come to the launch party and say to my face, all the shit you say to me on Twitter assholes. Let's go. Come on. Bring it. Say, say, put it here. Put it here.
0: <laughs> Colin, you're really old, man. I don't know if you're going to be able to actually take all the heat that you may actually get, like, in person.
1: Have I crossed over to old man strength yet, yo? Know? Like, I don't no. know. If I have, like, no, you haven't.
0: Like, not no. quite there yet? Not no. there yet.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely, you know, I wear it out a little bit easier, but I just wonder if that means I, could, I have, like, better sprint speed. You know, if, yep. I can, if I can really hang for 30 seconds now, I don't know.
2: More not expl- a More explosive now, right?
0: Yeah. Like an offensive lineman, you just have to be fast for three yards. <laughs> exactly. So, guys, uh, there's been some news. What? Yeah, according to uh, Yahoo and other various sports uh, outlets, the uh, AAC has done the uh, the unthinkable. The 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 uh, I guess the only thing after when the Mountain West says no, and all the other people who you try to get say no uh, publicly, uh, they've basically uh, they're examining and they're expected to accept the applications of Conference USA's Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, University of Texas San Antonio, Rice, and UAB in the in the, in the near near future, uh, Colin. Those names don't really inspire me much. Uh, am, I, am I off base there? So i um, going to steal some hot takes
1: from myself that I, I made earlier. Um, look, this is completely unacceptable in any way, shape, or form. If you're a USF fan, you've been failed. Um, there is... No reason whatsoever that this should be happening. this is and as we said in our text Re Nate this is an abdication of leadership and it has been years and years of abdication of leadership um, that, is, that have brought us to this point um, it's sad it makes me very angry and frustrated. Um, you know, I, I, I just want to, I was screaming fire in a crowded theater for 10 years and I couldn't get anyone to bite and I couldn't get the right people to listen. And, um, you know, we are where we are. It, it just sucks because I think all of us could have done a little bit more. Um, and we didn't, and not the right people in the right places didn't pay attention. Um, and I, and, and, Everyone around USF should have some regrets about this, but like, if you're a fan, you should have 0.0000001% responsibility. And if you're an administrator a Dean um, uh, provost um, president athletic director, um, they need to take on the overwhelming majority of this responsibility as to why we're here. So Michael Kelly was part of the expansion group with the AAC and he helped pick these six teams. So, the analogy that I would use is he's the general manager who just inherited a first overall quarterback draft pick. That is just a complete bust and he can cut him or he can get a fourth round pick for him. Get the fourth round pick. And that's what this is. This is like doing the best you can with the assets that you have, you know, block, block the mountain West from expanding into Texas, take the best schools there. Okay. Um, Take the best markets that are available because there is some value still in markets as far as TV and media rights. Um, you know, and you're getting into some cities like Dallas and Charlotte and you know South Florida that where there's some value there. So that makes sense to me. Um, but blaming blaming the guys that are here now for what has happened. This this goes back years. This goes back decades. Um, the the thing that I keep pointing to is I remember after we got into the Big East in 2003, either late three or 04, somewhere in there when it was officially announced, we had an event at ADM, the ADM building, and they raised a Big East flag. Like right, you know how the flags, if you pull in off Fowler Avenue, like to the main entrance of campus, you go right down there, there's, flag, there's three flag poles at the end of the, the dead end there. And one of them, we put a Big East flag up. And that would have been like 2004. And once that ceremony happened we were done we stopped investing in the program we thought well we've made it we've achieved everything we need to achieve it's done um we don't need to grow anything we don't need to invest anything athletics will take care of itself forever and we're set and what we learned was the big east was an opportunity not a destination and we failed that opportunity so massively so epically that it will take decades to recover. And that's how you end up in a conference with teams like Rice and UTSA, who's very good this year, by the way. Um, it's, It's such a galactic failure. Like I can't almost process it. Like you had to hire the worst people to make the dumbest decisions with the least amount of care and investment and overpay all of them and fail all of your stakeholders at all times. That's just what we did, and and that's why we're here. Um, USF fans, if they check out, I don't blame them. You know, they've been failed. They've been completely, objectively failed. And I'm, you know, I'm still going to go to games. I'm going to Tulane this year. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the watch party. I'm still going to watch USF football. Um, but I'm gonna do so with a much more jaundiced eye and with a lot more skepticism because now they got to prove it. Like they get no benefit of the doubt anymore. They don't deserve it. So, and, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but blaming Michael Kelly for this makes no sense. Blaming the current few folks for this makes no sense. This goes, this is a problem. This is a failure of generations. And um, until we install a new president, we're all just sort of sitting around in stasis. That new president will define the leadership to see if athletics is something that USF's ever going to care about again or, or going to invest in again. So we're just all sort of sitting here waiting for a uh, friend of the blog, Michael Gerson, to uh, pick a president. And then once that's done, we can start to um, see what happens.
0: Yeah, uh, you you kind of touched on it. Uh, you know, you, you raised the, the Big East flag and you kind of wipe your hands you know, clean of everything else and, and responsibility. And uh, Jeff Scott mentioned it in his press conference today. Uh, you know, this indoor practice facility, the performance facility is the first physical investment into football in 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, where Wait, wait people- hold
1: on to be fair. We 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 get we 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 spruced up the locker rooms a little bit in in Selman, and we we changed the chairs from like three hundred pound test chairs to three hundred and thirty pound test chairs because we had linemen who couldn't fit in the three hundred pound test chairs. So we did that, um, and we upgraded the video equipment when the release ran out because we went from like this service that was like new that we were like barely paying for, and then we actually upgraded to like a a, a film cutting service that was like a little bit better. So yeah, we've done that that's literally everything I can think of that we've invested in football in the last 15 years.
0: So like the normal wear and tear stuff where <laughs> you you just kind of actually have to do it out of necessity. Um, yes. but the thing, I mean, this was a long time coming. I mean, it took what almost five years to even get the, to break ground on this thing. I mean, Mark Carlin for, I mean, he was here when it started. I remember that spring game, I think it was the spring game of 2017. Uh, Just the failures, you know, you know, pre are predating Michael Kelly and Jeff Scott. Um, It's Mark Harlan's
1: and uh, and and predating Harlan
0: too, to some degree. I think most of the response. I think most of the responsibilities on Doug and Bill and Ralph and Judy. I agree
1: with all of that. Yeah, I do. I think, I think if you had to put a list together of the top 10 people as to why we're in the first place, and you got to put Skip in there too. Um, you, you put, I would put those five are definitely on my top 10 list for sure. And and I think you probably got to put Judy and Doug as one too, um, in whatever word yeah. that you choose to, to deem, um, you know, a, but we are where we are. And look, there's some good things that have happened at the university too. Like we are inches away from an status. We have come, you know, the endowment is much bigger than when we got here. There's, we do important research. We have a medical school. That's fantastic that nobody can get into. Um, it's really good. Like in a lot of places, but in terms of athletics, it's been for the last 15 to 17 years with the exception of, um, you know, oh seven, sixteen, seventeen. 16, 17, kind Of fail, you know, and and one good, one really pervertedly good men's basketball team in 2012 that came out of nowhere and, and had no legs, and and women's basketball, and and that's the there's your successes, like literally, I think I've named all and men's golf and softball, and one baseball team this year. Um, yeah, that's it.
0: So, I mean, people can. You know, blame how you know Jeff Scott's handled the, the last couple of weeks, and you know he'll get his fair share of criticism criticism on this here podcast. Uh, you know, f- from from myself uh, and, and probably you, Colin, about the the fourth and one call. But I mean, this stuff predates. It seems like sometimes that this pro this program this department was destined to fail uh, pretty early on before these guys even had USF on their radar. So I, I, it's tough. Um, you know, we've used this analogy time and time again, I said it on Twitter, uh, yesterday, you know, no one cares about your, your mega mansion, which is the academics portion of USF, which has been really good. Uh, your patents, the, the research, uh, AAU status nearly, um, that's been really great, but no one cares if your front porch is on fire and there's a rusted out Oldsmobile in the grass. And that's what athletics is for any university that's not like an Ivy League school. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, someone pointed out like Rutgers and Illinois and Northwestern and all these really great academic schools that are are known for academics. That's fantastic. They've got brand recognition through their academics. USF doesn't have that. Outside of the Tampa Bay area, no one gives a rat's ass about USF's academic status. It is. So, how was US like It's how was USF? How did they play uh, over the weekend? No one cares about how many patents you got. Like, it's, it's uh, having the people in place that realize that, like, academics is still very, very important because that's what college is for. Right. It
1: is. No, that, I, I, like, I don't. That's just why I hate giving short shrift to that because it's like we should be here. That's the reason we're here is because theoretically, we're getting young people an education um, and the opportunity to play sports with it and bond around the university and then use athletics as a platform for people to say, oh, think think going to the College of Business? Oh, um, what's going on over in engineering? And then use that as a platform to help people come back and invest and partner with those programs. I get all that. Um, but we just... We haven't leveraged the platform that we had. And now it's gone away. It may never come back. Um, and it's just such an... It's an abdication of responsibility by so many people. Like, everyone had to screw this up. And everyone screwed it up. Yeah. Um, you know? You gotta blame it's board just, members, too. You gotta blame the board. Board's gotta take some accountability here. Government's gotta take some accountability here. Not just, just the current one, but the old ones, too. I mean, just it's it's incredible I mean really like the the rise and fall here I mean it's like a movie like you you, this is Rocky 5 come to life or you know (laughs) like (laughs) all the way you know wins the belt you know knocks off the Russian and then you know telling stories in the restaurant because he's got to feed his family like this is where we're at
2: you know who's Tommy Gunn in this situation Tommy
1: Gunn is gonna be Luke Fickle Luke Fickle is Tommy Gunn in this situation because he's the guy who just comes back and, you know, beats us up. Although he beats he beats him at the end, doesn't he, out in the street?
3: I forgot about that.
1: Don't forget
0: <laughs> about, that. Hey, hey, about that. maybe senior nights t- this year. Maybe. maybe <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the dash, dash their hopes. Good old-fashioned street fight. To be fair, Colin, the last two years that USF has played last three years, really. Well, I guess two. That USF's played Cincinnati uh, 2019 and 2020. 2019, USF should have won that game. Spencer Schrader missed like 14 and a half field goals that game. And now he's actually good. And then last year... It was I think there was four turnovers in the first five minutes. USF scored to uh you know go down two touchdowns early in that third quarter. They returned the punt and or they returned the ensuing kickoff for a touchdown and it was curtained. So I mean they've played Cincinnati pretty close. It's I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I mean it's it's not zero, but it's not one percent either. I think it's zero that
1: it's, it's <laughs> zero. It's actually, it's, it's negative zero. It's not just zero. It's like negative zero. Um, All right, man. Spread on that one. I mean, 30, 34, maybe thirty-four, thirty-four, thirty-five 34, 34, 35, somewhere in there. If I'm setting a number.
2: Here, Here's my question to you, both of you, because I was not, um, you know, really involved or really focusing on, on what happened previously, but looking, sure. looking forward, I don't think any of us would say that expansion conference realignment and conference expansion is done in college football. Correct. Yes. Uh, it, I think we I think we all agree that it's going to continue. Yes. So going forward now, you may be kind of wandering in the desert for a few years, <laughs> but going forward, if you're in a conference that you can win and win a lot of games in, does that set you up in the future when the next round of this realignment and stuff happens, does that put you in a good position if you make the commitment to the program?
1: So in 2012, when, this first, when the wheels on the bus started turning the last time mm-hmm. and we ended up in the AAC, the commitment to this, the, the, the words that we got from the school and the words that we got from athletic directors and everybody else was, well, we'll be prepared next time. Mm-hmm. Well, the next time it's here and you still don't have a damn facility. No. And the next time it's here and you've got no progress on a stadium. And the next time is here and you have invested zero fucking anything into this program. You have invested in your community. You have invested in the students to go support this program. You still don't have athletics showing up at orientations. You still, you still have rush during opening weekend for football. The same goddamn mistakes you were making 10 and 12 years ago, you are making today. And you have done absolutely jack shit. And that's why you're here. Now, you just, just put a shovel in the ground in the facility, and that is massive. And But that should have been done. In 2013, when you get kicked out of a good league that had an automatic bid to the VCS, and now all of a sudden you don't. Then, then you start raising the money. Then you start investing in that facility, and three and four years later, you put the shovel in the ground in 2016. We're not having this conversation,
2: you know. Yeah, but, that, but that's, that's that's a sunk right now. That's sunk. That's a sunk cost. You that's a, you missed it. But, but, but here's the they, thing: but
1: you sunk twice. But now yeah. you have sunk twice. So now, like you've gone beyond sunk. You might be back below where you started in Conference USA in 2003. Um, you might be below that because that league still had Louisville and Cincinnati in it mm-hmm. in 2003. Now you don't even have that. So like, have you crossed the Rubicon of no one's ever going to give a damn because we're playing CUSA 2.0 mm-hmm. Sunbelt level not above Mac, but below everything else is out there.
2: Yeah, but my, my, I guess my question is if there was – the issue in the past seems to be there was no commitment made. It seems – and I like I said, I was not around, so you guys have to tell me. It seems as if at least publicly and verbally people are putting their names on commitments.
1: Yes. More so than it seems
2: in the been, past. 100%, right?
1: Will Weatherford putting his name on it was the first time anybody's put their name on anything in this damn place in – 20 years. So that so, yeah, would, yeah, to you, me,
2: that would lend yeah. that would lend to think that there is a much better opportunity at investment in the program this time around. And I, I'm sure seeing how it played out without doing it is going to play into it as well. Like they, they know this is last chance, right? So, uh, no, they don't know it's last chance because they, they keep
1: saying, no,
2: they don't. I, I,
1: I, <laughs> I talk to, uh, I can't believe it. Sorry to the person who told me this story. I apologize. Someone told me that, and this is somebody who was connected at USF who said, well, maybe the Pac-12 will take BYU and then we can just go to the Big 12. This was a realistic plan in their head. This is something that this person actually thought would happen.
2: Do you think the Big...
1: Get out of that? These are the people in charge. Are you absolutely kidding me? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. BYU and the Pac-12, the most progressive conference in the country, is going to take the school that has all of this anti-gay, anti legislation legislation. They're going to take the only private school outside of USA, the only private school in the league. That's going to happen. That's going to solve our problems. Get
0: out of here.
2: Do you think the Big 12 has legs?
1: Um, It's going to depend on TV, I think.
2: I think they'll um, be fine.
1: Does ESPN want them to have likes? Does Fox want? Does Fox use that as like the leverage against the SEC deal? Um, I maybe mean. I don't know. It's, it's 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 what the TV networks want. Like that's where we're going here. It's it's all going to come down to TV. And then can you get other players involved? Can you get Netflix, Apple, Amazon, you know, these other fan companies to get involved?
2: Like so uh, I'm going to throw out. I'm going to throw out a very. Rosy, possibly naive, probably naive hypothetical. Okay. USF makes a commitment to the football program. Okay. They have the right people in place. They start winning games. They start winning at a pretty good consistent level. Are they not one of the better candidates the next round if they make these commitments and have the results on the field?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the inherent... Advantages of USF are still 40 some thousand students, massive alumni base, good academics for a public, especially a public in the Southeast, um, and the 12th largest market in the country. I mean, those are really good natural. And and by the way, four stars growing on trees. So, like, you know, those are all really, really good. The the natural assets of USF were what we always pitched in 2001, 2002, and 2003 when we were trying to get the biggies. Now that that We just never took advantage of any of them. We never leveraged them. We said, "Oh, we have all this stuff." We just never did anything with it. It's like we bought the construction material and left it on the lawn.
2: Yeah, because all because all I hear and and all I see, and obviously this is kind of right when it's happening. It's kind of people. It's you know not necessarily prisoner of the moment, but you know similar thought is just basically this is the death knell for the program. The program's dead is what it seems like. You see people saying to me, it seems like, and again, I'm not is plugged in with the past, but it's obviously a setback. But if you, and again, this is what I think, if you make the commitment going forward and you get the results, you could very well be in a good situation. It's just going to, you're just going to have to wait for the next round now, but you have to, you have to put in the work
0: obviously. But Right. I think for, that opinion and it's valid because you weren't around no i'm naive to the to <laughs> what happened before so the people who were are generally here, positive right so the people who were here before and got uh burned are rightfully so very skeptical that they're actually going to invest yeah. in all of the things that they're going to say they're going to invest in so from your perspective Yes, it makes a lot of sense. And it's just the the sad reality is USF has scorned and, uh, you know, tainted a lot of views of their stakeholders over the last decade, 15 years, really, of just incompetence across the board. And that's what they're going to have to fight against. That's what this new administration is going to be up against. And if they don't know that... Then it they're they're fucked. It's plain plain and simple.
1: Here's the the thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the negative point and the positive point. The negative point from Seth is is like, I heard all this shit 10 years ago. Oh, now we really care. Now we're really gonna do it. And we still never invested a damn dime into that football program or that facility. And our administration didn't make the commitments that were necessary. And so I bullsh, you know, fool me once, Shame and you fool me twice. Whatever. Okay, fine. But on the other hand. Like you said, well, whether we put his name on, we're building a stadium. Okay. Um, that's never happened before. Yeah. The board has taken control of the, the university president process in a way publicly that they have not done so previously. I mean, they basically punted on a president, you know, because they were like, well, you know, what must be done inevitably must, should be done immediately. Um, and they just said, that is a bad fit and we're just going to pull the plug. Um, so, yeah. No, I he let, no
0: Corral left because he wanted to spend time with his parents.
1: Okay, Batman. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, um, loving so, son. Yeah, loving son. Very loving son. Um, who will have tenure in the college business. And look, I, I literally I had one conversation with the man. I actually talked longer to his wife than he did the entire time he was here. Maybe that's part of our problem. Um, cause I go to a lot of shit and the fact that I only ever talked to him once is probably that great. So, um, I, I do think that they're going to, the board is now committed to athletics in a way that they were not previously, um, the whole board. And I think that will change some things for the better, but now you got to prove it. Like you've said it, I've talked, we, we've said this for years, do it. Do it, because I'm sick of I'm sick of hearing oh someday oh whatever. And meanwhile, we just slide and slide slide. The only thing that's consistent is Jose. The only thing that we're consistent, we're good at, is women's basketball. That's it. And then softball. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Softball. um, I mean, golf won what six out of seven now conference championships, something like that. Six out of eight. Like they're really good too. Uh, Tennis, you know, does good things. But in terms of like team sports, like that. I guess softball is a team sport now, isn't it? Um, people actually do care about our softball team too. They draw pretty well. But on the whole, we just don't. We don't. And now you got to prove it. And I, I don't give anybody there the benefit of the doubt. Now you got to prove it to me. Um, it's not fair to, the, to those folks. It's not fair to Michael Kelly that he inherited this absolute fire. It's pretty amazing that he got a shovel in the ground um, on that facility as quickly as he has, considering the state of the program and how things are financially in, in the middle of a COVID pandemic.
2: Um, but they still got to prove it. So, so you're kind of a fool me once shame on yeah. you fool me twice, you're not going to fool me again. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been, I've been <laughs> lied to so many times by this program. Like oh, I've been lied to this program on the record in my mailbox off the record, um, at my graduation ceremony, um, when I joined the athletic or the alumni association, when I joined the athletic, or the athletic department, when I was an employee, I mean, I've just been lied to this program, like literally my entire adult life. And so why would I think that they would change? That now? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope they do. You know, I, I told Torello this. Um uh, USF is like your meth head cousin who needs a place to crash on the couch. Like they keep coming back, and you keep welcoming them in, and you know they're going to fail you over and over again. And that's sort of like my relationship with USF. They're my meth head cousin who's just trying to clean up his life for the eighth time.
2: So this new conference is like a
1: intense rehab. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. It's a this is hopefully this is like the ninety day program with like Betty Ford. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we lose Nate?
0: Is he just frozen there? no I'm, um, I'm still here okay, I'm still here, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure, yeah, you're, you're here Oh, phew. I, just, I I wanted you guys to kind of hash that out um Colin is of the six teams that are being added, is there one that you're just okay, this is great and then one that you're like, oh dear God, we've got to travel to this city,
1: so like. I would normally say UAB, because like, actually, Nate, and I, you and I went to Birmingham a few years ago. We
0: got very drunk
1: in Birmingham. Um, we got very, very drunk in Birmingham, and uh, there's karaoke video to prove it. So um, they're, like, I have no desire to ever go to Birmingham as a person ever again. But it seems like UAB is investing in that program, so I'm fine with it. Um, that's just the facility looks great. Obviously, the community really rallied around that team when it, when it was on the chopping block and got them back and got them back good. Um, I've been to Rice's Stadium. It holds eighty thousand people, which is probably about seventy five thousand too many. Um, there's just no base of anything there. Like, why? Why do you football still? This isn't the Southwest Conference. You, they don't care. You talk about the administration that doesn't give a damn about sports. They're they are way worse than us. Uh, Denton, Jamie. Jamie likes Denton. Jamie has good things to say about Denton. I've never been, so I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. But again, it's a market. They're they're trying to chase markets here. Um, FAU market. Bo- I've always thought Boca has like the ceiling high level on that program. is pretty high. I think their football facility is really good. Um, that should be a model for what USF, USF should build a nicer version of that, um, as their stadium. Charlotte's a great emerging market. So yeah, I'm good with that. And then UTSA, like only game in town. If you're in San Antonio, you don't want to watch college football. Um, and they're also ranked and they've had put together some really good teams. So I don't know if they're planning. Are they going to, is there a plan to stay in the Alamo dome or are they trying to build a
0: facility? I don't even know. Um, Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I would love to go to the Alamo dome.
1: Yeah. I mean, it looks like, it looks like they draw. Okay. So, um, look, it's the best of a bad situation. And if you want to take the tack that we need to take these schools in and and play a little bit of defense against the mountain West and any other possible further expansions. And so we're going to grow in Texas a little bit. Okay. I get the tactics of that, but like the better situation is to like, you know, be better at sports USF and then not be in this conference and be one of the teams that get called up instead of the guys you always call droolers down the street. Um, (laughs) you know, the jewelers down the street, just sort of figured out a way and they, they committed, they committed, even when they in in spots where they probably overcommitted and took some chances that were not fiscally responsible. And definitely got a little bit lucky um, and covered up a lot of stuff and and moved some stuff around. And, you know, $100 million here, $100 million there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money that's like being misallocated. Um, You know, they took some chances and it worked out. So they gambled and won. We just never gambled. But it's not that we just didn't even gamble, it's that we just didn't care. We just didn't invest at all. But man. So, so UTSA. But you had a president who showed up at football games with a USF football purse or a basketball game and sat there and watched the game. So clearly, we were committed to athletics. Can I said out loud again. Whoops. <laughs> am so, that? am I live on what's... the stream right now? and Just saying <laughs> shit
2: out loud again. Am I doing that again? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, about U- thirty minutes ago,
0: UTSA opened a forty million dollar football facility uh, this year. And uh, one of the opening lines from uh, UTSA president Taylor uh, Agney was great universities have exceptional academic research and athletic enterprises. So, uh, you know, UTSA gets it. They opened uh, a $40 million, a $40 million uh, facility uh, for, for football. Uh, it's uh it has seven thousand square feet of academic space space, uh, medicine center, uh, fourteen thousand square feet of strength and conditioning space, uh, big locker room, team position team position rooms, and two football uh, fields. I mean that's pretty pretty damn good. They they did it with private funds and a bond from the city of San Antonio. Now, there you go. I, I hey, doubt hey, hey. City of Tampa's gonna bond
1: first of all I don't think that's allowed in the state of Florida anyway I don't think you can um, I don't think you can do that on on state on a university land anyway um, but yeah that's what USF did they pulled it upon they just did it through the foundation instead of the city um, yeah like good for them you know I'm I'm fine with it you're, you're dealt this hand you can either they're playing the, the hand that they have as best as they can But from a USF perspective, the fact that you're even this is the hand that you
0: have is your own damn fault. It's not great. It's not great. Um, So we we've we've talked for 38 minutes, Colin, uh, on on this. I think I think we've talked about it enough for now. I think we're going to switch gears here. Okay. And we're we're gonna discuss some a, uh, actual football. Uh, so okay. Seth, the the Bulls will face Temple on ESPN Plus on Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, Temple comes into the game at three and three. Uh, a pretty deceptive three and three. If if you don't mind me uh, saying, they look pretty trash. Hey, Steve, how are you?
3: Hi right, guys. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I, I i i've been unaware for the past uh past couple days um so I'm, I'm assuming no other news this week aside from you know the, the obvious you know loss to uh to tulsa so i'm just going to continue on in my innocent world and uh and, and pile ahead forward
1: So Steve, I got back from Vegas on Friday and Steve came over to my house. So he heard all of these rants already. So don't worry. He didn't miss anything. Um, As we went over to uh, Epicurean over here and had a couple of beverages with with Jamie and some other friends um, while we were here. Um, I have um, I'm going to let you guys go on football because I I have certainly followed enough USF and Temple where I have thoughts. But right now I will tell you that the spread is two and a half. It opened at four. Um, it is down to USF as a two and a half point favorite. And the total is 40 or something. 50 uh, at DK. The only sports book that matters. It's 55, but it opened 58. Um, but all the money's coming in on Temple. 88% of the tickets, 90% of the money has bet on the Owls. Um, I kind of like USF. I like USF last week. That would they covered. I didn't win my money line bet, but they covered. Um, I believe USF is now... Four and two ATS this year, somehow
0: miraculously. Free yes. Teams. Uh, so the only teams team games cover. they haven't covered was uh, SMU and uh, NC State.
1: Yeah. So they're four and two ATS. Um, I think that they will probably win this week. Um, there's just tends to be this thing where against Temple. We're up there. We can't out athlete them and we can out athlete them at home. Um, And I think we'll do that this week. So go Bulls. Uh, But I'm going to let y'all go and uh, go
0: Bulls. Thank you, uh, Colin, for uh, for joining. He is the college sports editor at DK Nation. Uh, He helped start this uh, stupid blog. And this is why you guys are stuck with us. So uh, direct all your ire toward him. Uh, we're just the messengers at this point, but I appreciate Colin you uh, coming on and uh, we'll be getting with you before I go to Vegas in November to uh, hit the best spots and everything.
1: I will see y'all in nine days at, uh, at
0: Irish 30, at Irish 31 at high park. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate it. And back to your regu- regularly scheduled programming here, uh, Seth. As I mentioned, Temple's coming into the game at three and three, uh, and a pretty pretty damn deceptive three and three. If you ask me, if, am I off base? There, it seems like they're kind of trash, and they've beaten pretty bad teams.
2: No, they're not very good. Uh, I'll throw. Up, I'll go ahead and throw up the advanced stats here. <clears throat> There's a lot of red uh, on both sides, but.
0: Temple, right?
2: (laughs) It is not. Uh, Temple, you can see is particularly so. Last week, uh, Tulsa rather had some offensive success, some decent numbers on offense. Temple is not really the same. Uh, So, I think you got a better matchup this week for the USF defense. And every week that goes by, you're hoping you get a few more guys healthy on that defense, and and you get a little bit better performance. Um, Defensively, it appears they're they're okay, Um, but like you said, their schedule has not been the most stout. uh, When they played a couple decent offenses, like uh, Cincinnati, I believe they got a the vaunted
0: the vaunted Rutgers offense. (laughs)
2: Yeah, they got a ton of points rolled on them whenever they played somebody with a pulse so far. So uh, is their defense good? The numbers are good, but have they played anybody really great yet? Let's go through just so So here's who they've played. Rutgers, one of the worst offenses in the country, and Rutgers ran for 220 yards and threw for 145 yards. Akron What was the final what was the final score there give the scores because it, uh, they lost 14 to 61 then the following week they played Akron who is again one of the worst offenses in the country uh, Ak- Akron averaged 4.7 yards per play they won that game 45-24 let's see I'm gonna go ahead and switch over for, for you that might be easier so everyone can see that we'll go ahead and share that screen there So everyone can see what we're working with here. So here's their their defense. Here it's kind of a little difficult to see, I suppose. But Boston College is a decent offense. I think they still their quarterback. Then lost twenty eight to three. Boston College was kind of uh, ho hum. Didn't really have didn't really have to do much. Yeah, beat Wagner, who's a, a FCS team, I believe. It's not a great one. There's a big... There's kind of your big performance there. They held them to 2.79 yards per play. That really took their numbers down. Uh, Then played Memphis. Ended up winning that game, but Memphis averaged almost six yards a play. And then Cincinnati, the best offense they've played so far this year, averaged nearly eight and a half yards per play. And Temple lost to them 52-3. to So... I don't think this defense is quite as good as their numbers based on schedule. Uh, I think if they played USF schedule, the numbers would look probably similar to USF's numbers on that side of the ball. So this is, again, another game that's very winnable. Last week was a winnable game. We all said that. We didn't say it was a for sure win, but we all said it was winnable. And it was. You had a great chance to win the game. Didn't quite come through. This week is another one, another home game against a team that you should be able to beat at home. So another chance to get that first victory uh, against a team that's just not not that great.
0: Yeah, uh, I think just for morale purposes, and you know, I'll, I'll touch on this all night. Um, you need to win this game. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a game you need to win. Okay, because outside of this Temple game, there's really not a game on the schedule where you're like, oh, USF will be favored in that game. They've got ECU on the road. They get Houston at home. They get Cincinnati at home. And then they go on the road for Tulane and Central Florida. Mm -hmm. Like, There's not a for sure win on the schedule the rest of the way. I mean, there really wasn't a for sure win after FAMU. But after last week's performance, um, you know, decision-making aside, it was a very winnable game. Uh, I mean, all three of us were so far on this game that that USF could beat Tulsa. And this is another one where USF should, could, and needs to beat Temple to just propel us in the right direction. And, uh, you know, Seth... Seth Anstey, you both were in that that uh post game press conference with me on Saturday uh what what stood out to you what was the i mean outside of maybe Brian Batty I mean he was you know he had a 100 yard kickoff return for a touchdown he was still pretty down but i mean just the looks on Antonio Greer and Dwayne Boyle's face uh, as they were waiting and then talking to the media. I mean, that's what kind of stuck out to me. Uh, what, what about you guys? was there, I mean, damn. I mean,
3: I, I think when Dwayne Boyles got up to the mic for questions, like in, and he kind of stood there for a second and waited for someone to say something like that was, I, I've been in very tense rooms that was probably one of the more tense situations. I mean, it was only like two seconds, maybe. That we waited for, I think you asked them a question, Nate. Uh, and I mean, I think you asked that question because someone needed to get the ball rolling because no one wanted to say anything because okay. you knew you could see on their faces that that the last thing that they wanted to do was to answer questions, albeit you know, easy questions. But that was not the yeah, I, I hate the fact that we make these 18, 23 year olds, you know, answer questions like these and you know have to respond to media after very emotional losses like this. You know, obviously after a huge win, it's one thing after a tough loss, it's 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 for lack of a better term, painful to, to be in the same room and you know, you saw it on Coach Scott's you know it's Coach Scott's voice and you saw it basically everyone's face the entire time. They didn't want to be there because that was not the Best situation for be in. You know, they, they answered all the questions and took it on the chin. And you know, I, I think the bigger kind of storyline is not the you know post game press conference, but the press conference today seemed a little bit livelier as far as what Jeff Scott was saying the entire time. You know, I, I think that 24 hour rule that Jeff Scott has in play, I think, is really uh, you know good for the team. It seems like, yeah, it, it sucks that they lost, but it seems like the morale is not down. Vincent um, Davis kind of mentioned it uh, very, very on the nose and said, "You know, hey, that that loss sucked, but we're we're even hungry now. Like we have <laughs> we have reason to believe that we can win a game." Is I think what he's trying to get at, and you know they're they're going to be even hungrier for for a win after getting so close last time.
2: Yeah, I thought what was what was kind of interesting to me, and obviously you go into every game hoping you can win the game but i thought what was interesting was jeff scott basically coming out and saying this is a game we thought we were gonna win like he he basically came out and said this is a game we really thought we were gonna win coming into the game we felt really good about it um so that, i think that kind of added to some of the frustration after the game um and then with regards to the players these guys you know what uh, Antonio Greer. First of all, his voice was about out. You could tell from from yelling and screaming on the field and, and giving signals and, and communicating. So his voice was almost gone. Um, and then they both just looked uh, so down in the dumps when they came in, really frustrated, obviously, but more more sullen and more sad. And you get, you kind of get to see um, you know when you're in there, you get to see more of the human element of these teams. That you, especially in football a lot of the emotion is hidden behind the helmets and things like that. And there's all kinds of people on the sidelines. So you don't really get to see these guys in the moment. I think what you saw on the field after the game, a lot of these guys were really uh, obviously devastated by not being able to pull it out. Uh, so you kind of, when, when they come into these, these press conferences, which first of all is, is tough and you have to really commend these guys for coming in there and answering questions when you know they got people shouting at them and these people wouldn't answer questions you know they, they wouldn't stand up and, and kind of take responsibility like these guys have to so just seeing them come in there and kind of answer questions and they all and they answer questions thoughtfully even with the you know with all the the you know the obviously the sadness and frustration but you know you have to commend them for that but These they obviously feel like they're close, and they really felt like this was one they let slip away. Is how it seemed, and it really seems they're just they just kind of want to get that first one and get it off their back, and then once they go there, they can play a little bit more loose. Um, But but I think they really 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 were hoping that was it, and then they could be a little bit more loose as the season went on. Uh, But it's still kind of hanging over their heads now, unfortunately.
3: Also, uh, did it help that? one of the Tulsa support staff members was literally right outside. Like Tulsa's locker room was right outside yeah. of where the media uh, post-game prize conference was. One of the Tulsa staff members was just, I mean, she was just cheering her little heart every single time one of the players walked out of the locker room. And I mean, I think at one point, I, I think it was career kind of like death glared at the door and death glared towards uh, a certain someone to close the door even harder so that you couldn't hear this woman cheering outside of the doors.
0: Yeah. um, That was not great. Now I hate, I I really do hate to be this guy here, but we we've talked about um, over, over the last couple of years here of getting punched in the face and, and responding. Now, and there's i think there's a difference between you know getting punched in the face at nc state and responding and you know having a good second half against florida and then there's getting punched in the face and then on your way down also getting need in the nuts and that's what tulsa was so it's trying to figure out how this team will respond to such a loss like this i mean you know the, the players and coaching staff they can all say the th- the things like, Hey, yeah, 24 hour rule. And we're, we're turning it right back around. But I mean, you get a quiet moment, you know, on the field where you're, you're, you're waiting for your rep. Or you're you're soaking, you're you're getting treatment. It's gonna creep into your head. Like there's no way, there's no two ways around it. Like these these people are human. Like the coaching staff's human. The the players are human. It's gonna come and creep back in. the The thing you hope is that they learn from it. And it's not. It doesn't. uh, You know, uh, my bosses at at my at my job like to say, like, don't let the bad things kind of black you out and then just kind of ruin the rest of your your day and this this Tulsa game really has the, all the makings of something that kind of blacks out the team for the the rest of the season if not just for this one week where you know you, you're really kind of supposed to win this game uh, i mean how how do you you know seth how do you kind of compensate for that where you know, you lose such a this game you at you really got punched in the face and you've got to respond Quickly, Otherwise, you know, this Tulsa loss is going to turn into three losses in, you know, 14 days because they play they play again uh, next Thursday.
2: Yeah, I, I think they're in, in my experience. So when I was at when I was coaching in college at Tusculum, we came in the first year. So it was like the first year, new, new, whole new coaching staff. We really struggled at the gate. Um, with the team, kind of understanding what players did well. And then like, maybe there were guys we that we thought were going to play a lot for us that ended up not playing as much and just all that kind of feeling out. And, and and we were playing some teams that were a little more talented than us as well. But the players really took cues from the coaches. So what we did a good job there of is, is staying positive, staying upbeat, just go, moving on after you review the film, move on to the next game, move on to the next play, move on to the next game plan and really emphasize that kind of stuff and so i think the players will take the cues from the coaches if the coaches and i don't think they will because it's a pretty young group and and then a lot of these guys grew up in football families and football environments so i don't think they're going to soak they're kind of used to that mentality of just going to the next game don't let a team beat you twice that kind of those clichés but they'll take the cues from the coaching staff so if the coaching staff comes out and gets them ready to play this week i think you're i don't think you're going to see um too much of a hangover um, but it, it's kinda it's it's natural to do that. But if the staff just keeps pushing them forward, keeps the energy high, make sure the energy's high in practice, doesn't let them soak, doesn't really give them opportunities to kind of sit and think, as you mentioned. Just keep it moving, fast paced, install the next thing, go, go, go. That can kind of take their mind off of anything in the past and you just keep looking forward. And, and we were able by the end of the year to start stringing some wins together. We beat a team that won the conference the year before that we had no business beating. And, and then you end the year on a pretty good note. So I, I think if they're kind of in a similar situation, it's tough, but you just got to keep pushing and the coaches really have to lead that. So the coaches have to really stay positive, really keep pushing the team forward. And if they do that, I think you'll see them uh, kind of avoid any type of hangover but, you know, every week you lose again, it gets tougher and tougher to do that because, like you said, it's just human nature. But hopefully, this is the week they get that first win and then some of that pressure will dissipate. But this is something that um, I think the coaches can lead with, to kind of lead by example and kind of set the tone for how this next week is going to go in practice and on the game field.
0: Yeah. And, you know, looking closer uh, into Temple, they're, third i mean we, we've talked about it already they're really bad and they're really bad in the first quarter uh they've been outscored 60 to 7 in the first quarter of this season uh so it's pretty imperative for usf to go out to a fast start seth it, it, you know i think you saw the shock on my face when usf uh they they won the toss and took the ball yeah. uh and they went down in i mean they the, the drive stall but they got a field goal out of it and that's yeah. something that's something we didn't see uh earlier this year that that aggressiveness and you know that aggressiveness uh kind of came back to bite USF at the end there um you know the, the 4th and 11 uh, fake field goal. Maybe you just kick the field goal there. The you know back to back wildcat formations uh, that we'll, we're we're going to touch on. We're gonna we, we touch on tel- uh, Tulsa, but w- we're gonna really break down Tulsa tomorrow on our film room session. So I don't want to get bogged down in that. But uh, you know, Jeff Scott said he's going to go down swinging, and, and, and I mean that's really what he did. Uh, we can nitpick the the decisions, uh, you know, as much as we want, but. It, he at least went for the win. I think, uh, you know, similar to, you know, Buffalo last night, Monday night football going forward on fourth and one, when you're down a field goal, knowing that your defense hasn't stopped, uh, Derek Henry or anybody, uh, you know, remotely close to that, uh, all night. So it, it's that kind of aggressiveness that will get you burned sometimes. Um, and you know, USF got burned by it and it's, you know, we always say that, that context matters, uh, in these games. And, uh, You know, I think uh, fine being, uh, you know, subjective. It was fine that USF lost, but how they lost was probably why a lot of people left with a really sour taste on Saturday. And I I completely understand it. I did too. Um, You know, it was frustrating all around. We, I mean, we, we knew this, this was a very winnable game. The team knew it was a winnable game and just to let it slip through their hands. um, It's just frustrating, but to really kind of harp in and focus on, on temple here again, that, that first, their, their first half is pretty trash. Uh, they're bad in the fourth quarter as well. Um, But here's what I'll say. Uh, temple again, it's just it's another team. I'm just going to harp on the, the, these point. I think this is just going to be my talking points all year uh, because it seems to be a, a reoccurring theme. Temple is awful in the red zone though they're 15 of 17 in in the red zone, which is fine. They're getting points, but they're 10 of 17 scoring touchdowns, uh, which is 59%, which is not great. And then on the flip side, uh, defensively, uh, opposing teams have had 10 more red zone possessions than they have this year and they're 24 of 27 and 20 of those 27 uh, red zone attempts have been touchdowns and then their third down and fourth down percentages are uh atrocious as well uh they're 31 percent from uh, at, at, on third down and then they're seven to 15 on fourth on the flip side they're allowing 40 percent uh, of third down percentages, and then they're a lot. Mm-hmm. Opponent opponents have gone for it on fourth down, like that is pretty damn impressive. Yeah.
2: yeah, there. Um, you can see here on the advanced stats. So, like what Nate's talking about is uh, finishing drives. Is this this stat? It's called points per echo. That's basically like how many points do you get per drive you get inside the forty or or have an explosive touchdown even counts in here. And they're at less than a field goal in terms of, of drives that get inside the 40. So when they get inside the 40 and they get into that scoring range, they're averaging less than a field goal on offense. So they're not great at finishing drives. Um, USF's a little bit better, averaging just above a field goal. But this is going to be another week, like like Nate said, and what he's been saying all year is, who's who's going to finish drives in the red zone Who's going to get drives in the red zone last week. um, USF did a decent job of finishing once they got in the red zone, but I believe they only got there twice. Right. And I believe Tulsa had five red zone possessions scored on all of them. They got held to a field goal on three of them, but um, but they scored on every single one and had five of them. So that's going to be the key kind of getting in the red zone and then finishing drives. Um, And this, it seems like something
0: that is doable against this temple team, especially being at home. Yeah, and just looking some of the, you know, stat leaders, I guess for for Temple's offense, if you want to call it that, I mean, it's pretty atrocious if we're being uh, perfectly honest. Uh, Edward Sadie uh, leads the leads the team in rushing with 191 yards. Uh, he's averaging 3.9 yards per per rush, uh, with one score. Uh, they don't have a rush over 40 yards this year. Uh, and then Dewan Mathis, who's a Georgia transfer, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, he's completing 61% of his passes. He's thrown for 884 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, he missed uh, two games. And his backup, Justin Lynch, who's, I believe, a true freshman, completed uh, 68% of his passes, uh, 446 uh, through the air, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, so, I mean, fairly accurate. Uh, they don't turn the ball over too too much. I mean, three interceptions between them uh, is is pretty good. Uh, they've lost you know three fumbles. They don't turn the ball over, but that that's what Tulsa was kind of uh, that's what they kind of did. They turned the ball over quite a bit in those losses, and that's why you know we thought, okay, if you can get them to turn the ball over. You have a really good shot to win, and they did. They turned them over three times in the second quarter and, and built a fourteen point lead out of it. Uh, with with Temple, you've got to you've got to create some havoc here uh, and and get them behind the chains. I don't I don't think this team has the playmakers uh, just truly across the board. Uh, Jaden Blue's still pretty good. Uh, Jose uh, Barbon, uh 20 catches 26 catches three hundred twenty five yards at a touchdown and then Jaden has uh 20 catches under thirteen yards in a, in, a, in a touchdown as well but I mean he's averaging five point seven yards per catch which is pretty bad it's not great. It's that's not ideal, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that awesome. like, yeah.
3: That's actually like, you.
0: You got to try really hard to have twenty catches and average five point seven yards per catch. Oh, yeah. I think it's
3: a, I think it's a log of like sixty two. So I think like I think no. that's actually all like oh, it's like a, a, a small like he's, they're getting him on like out routes and screens and stuff like that. Um, yeah, his, his, long the, 30, his long is
0: His longest thirty two yards. So he's so nineteen yeah, catches for. Hmm. What eighty yards? Eighty-one yards? <laughs> Closer to four-yard sketch. Like right. you, um, you have to try really, really, really hard to do that. That's tough. Yeah,
3: I mean, if, yeah, if, I, if there's a week Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, if there's a week where you know, I, I think the defense might get a little bit—I mean, a, a little bit healthier. Hopefully, Christian Williams can play. But a, a week that I think your defense can get a little bit more. Confident, I think this is it. Um, you know, I, I think linebacker play was obviously been a, a strength of this defense so far this year. I think uh, Wayne to Demaris Bellamy, and um, and Antonio Rivera have played fantastic this year across the board. Uh, your defensive line has played up and down. Um, I, I wouldn't say that they're you know playing terribly, but I think also schematically, you know, you know they're not exactly playing to the best of their strengths at times. Uh, And then your secondary, which is, you know, injury depleted and playing freshmen and players that have not had a lot of experience. If there's a week that you can start gaining some confidence, this might be it. Um, You know, I I think if you can get a full healthy secondary here, like full healthy secondary, Will Jones is playing. Yeah, I think no doubt about it. You know, second so probably with this game but I think with all these injuries and you know uncertainties going on with the secondary I think you still have a few question marks just because you know Jaden Blue can still be explosive we, we saw it last year Jose Barbon has been explosive this year like you know it, it's not like Temple's totally lacking the talent um it, like it's, we're not playing a pop or team you know but I think this is the week where you can kind of say all right Matt Hill all right you know TJ Robinson you know these guys that are in their first year playing. <laughs> like getting some really extensive playing time, like this is your time to, to grow some cojones and, and play well, hopefully.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think this is – I don't think you're going to see the same level of skill position talent this week that you saw from Tulsa. That's one thing we emphasized before the game, that even though Tulsa hadn't been unbelievable offensively, they did have some talented skill players. Um, so that puts um, – that puts some stress on the defense. I don't think this Temple group is quite as talented as, as what Tulsa had at the skill position. Tulsa had uh, a couple backs that were really good, and then at least three receivers that were pretty good players. Um, so I, I don't think you're going to get that same stress level you got last week. Uh, Dewan Mathis has a good pre- pedigree. You said he transferred from Georgia. He was actually their starting quarterback in the first game last year. So without JT, Daniel, JT Daniels being hurt. But he's, he initially started over Stetson Bennett at Georgia last year. Um, but he had problems with accuracy, especially with pressure. So I, I, the, the, all the numbers you're kind of saying about their offense makes me think they're, real, they're probably a quick passing game, short throws, easy throws, probably not a ton down the field. Um, so that would be something that hopefully, you know, USF's got to rally and tackle the short throws um, and, and you know this should be a better matchup probably the best matchup for the defense this year outside of FAMU. would you guys agree with that
0: yeah i think so i don't think that i don't think temple has anyone who's going to take the top off the defense uh and that's been an issue you know, yeah, in, in I, most of the games this year, uh, you know, I think uh, w- Gunner or Baylor, Romney, whichever, whoever, which which one of the Romneys is the, the wide receiver is still running. Baylor, I think.
2: But I think, and the other thing is, I think most other teams had multiple guys that you had to really worry about. I don't know if uh, Blue's a pretty good player, but outside of him, I don't know if they have a guy you really have to worry about outside. So that could help you too. So you don't have to worry about multiple guys beating you. Um, You can kind of focus more on one.
3: I know in the past, typically with Temple, you kind of look at their their single digit players are the ones that you have to worry about. Um, For lack of a better term, I think that's been a Temple tradition for for God knows how long. Um, And on offense, you really have uh, Dana Blue and 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 uh, Randall Jones are two single-digit players. So, yeah, take that for what it is. I think in the past, uh, Temple usually has about three to four players on offense. Um, you know, they, they, they give usually their offensive line honorary uh, single digits. Uh, well, it's just you and I, Seth. Uh, but they usually, <laughs> uh, they usually give uh, give their uh, offensive linemen single digits. as so like an honorary thing as well. Yeah. But, you know, That's a pretty good... I mean, Temple doesn't shy away from the idea of, hey, we're going to show you who our best players are. it's Jaden Blue Mm -hmm. and it is Randall Jones this year on offense. Um, Defensively, we're looking at a... I mean, I I, I had to look it up because I I didn't really believe it. Um, They don't really have... They're starting like five freshmen, like true freshmen in their secondary this year. Um... And their leading tackler and their best player and their defensive captain, uh, Amir Tyler, he's out. That's their. I mean, he's their single-digit on defense. He's kind of been all over the field for them. He's has three tackles for loss and like forty-something tackles. Um, so you're you're down one of Temple's best players, uh, and then you also have to look out for William Quinqueo, uh, who's a. Uh, Mike Linebacker from them. But ultimately, I mean, you're looking at a, a defense that is set up kind of similar to how USF is. A lot of true freshmen, a lot of young guys, not a lot of experience. You know, in, in the secondary, a pretty experienced defensive line that's been relatively ineffective. So, you know, I, I, I love the matchup. Like two years ago, like I, I'd be so confident going into this game that we would sleepwalk over them, but I can't really you know discount them because I look at their defense and I'm like, oh wow, look at all these young guys playing, and it's like, oh wow, we have one young guys playing too. So I don't know. Um, if Andy Rigby is uh, one of their like linebackers slash hybrid safeties, and he's back and healthy after missing uh, their previous game, so I mean. They're getting some guys back. They lost a few guys. Uh, One of their main defensive tackles who was rotating in, Nick Maggs, he transferred, so he's out. So, I I mean, the the defense is just as depleted as as the offense is as far as talent goes. Uh, So, you know, who knows how this game's going to end up. Really, defensively, you only have to scheme up for, you know, William Quincaue, and that's it.
0: I'm going to put my name on it right now. Tim McLean is going to light up Temple. He's going to throw four touchdown passes on Saturday night. Jeremy Angum's going to have another two. He's going to, he's actually, he's going to have a touchdown of longer than 10 yards for the first time oh, in his USF career on oh, Saturday. Hilarious. That that is my prediction. And uh before we get into the actual predictions, I think we've we've we'll, we'll cover temple more, but before we get into the predictions, I want to just shout out women's basketball real quick. Uh, it looks like, um, if we go over an hour, my, my internet's like, bro, calm down. (laughs) So we gotta, we gotta kind of wrap this up real quick. Uh, women's basketball, uh, ranked 21st, uh, in the AP top 25 preseason poll, Uh, obviously woefully under, under-ranked. I think they're a top 15 team with the, the people that they return and the new additions. I mean, they poached two starters from, from Memphis. They got a couple of other Juco people, uh, freshmen. freshman. Uh, I mean, Jose's doing what Jose does also, uh, you know, even if they finish 21st uh, you know, at the end of the year, and they get seeded in NCAA tournament, they'll still be like a nine seed. So uh, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point. We, we, we know what it is. Uh, women's soccer with a huge, uh, upset win, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that over number 14, Memphis, uh, one, nothing double overtimes, their seventh overtime game this year. Uh, and now they're, they're back ranked, uh, men's golf continues to absolutely crush, uh, their top 10, uh, program, so some good stuff going on. Uh, heard some scuttlebutt about men's basketball that I, I can't share, uh, but uh, they're, they're still a work in progress. Um, that, that, that much I can say, they're still a work in progress. It's, they still got some time to, to work out everything. Um, but I think that's it. Let's get to the predictions. USF, Temple, 7 p.m., ESPN Plus, Inside Ray J. I get it, folks. Uh, after the last week, you got a sour taste. Go to the stadium. Go have some fun. Go tailgate. Enjoy yourself. Uh, enjoy the the cooler weather. It'll be nice. I may have to bring a light jacket uh, for Saturday night. It'll It'll be fun. It'll be fine. You know, why not? uh seth let's start with you your prediction for this game uh the lines uh settled at uh, for now it's at two and a half uh u s f minus two and a half the line's what fifty six and a half ish Uh the the over unders fifty six and a half ish uh w- what's your prediction here i think vegas is underrating uh how poor both these
2: defenses might be so i'm gonna go with uh let's go thirty four thirty one to the USF
0: Bulls. Okay. I am going to go 45 to 20 USF. I think this is the game that they just absolutely blow the doors off this team and turn the corner. And I can't wait to be uh, vindicated and or kicked in the nuts. It just really depends on uh, what happens in in the three hours. But this is if all they're saying is true. If Jeff Scott, if the players are saying, "24 hours, we're not, we're we're gonna, fr- we're moving past it, but we're not gonna forget about it." This is where this is the the prove it, show me, show me that you got you got punched in the nuts real hard last Saturday, and you're using this as motivation, and you're going to stomp out the, the one of the worst teams left on your schedule. Prove it to me. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put my money on this. Forty five twenty USF. Do something with that. Timmy's going to have a great game. He's had back-to-back pretty rough games, uh, if we're being honest. He writes the ship on Saturday. Jaron Mangum scores a couple of tutties. It's going to be a good game. Let's go. Stig, what you got?
3: Um... I got a few things. Uh, no, but so I, I, I was thinking about this long and hard, um, and in fact, I, when I was watching Little Shop of Horrors uh, the other day, I kind of inspired. You know, I, the the Audrey 2 kind of kind of spoke to me on something, and it said uh, it, it, the famous line that Audrey 2 speaks is is feed me, you know, feed me. They're they're hungry and they they want it, uh, but he also says. Steve, stop with these stupid ass predictions and give real ones, which is what I did. And I gave Seth a real prediction the the week before the Tulsa game. And it was actually, I'm going to give myself credit on this. I was pretty close. I said Tulsa would beat us like 35, 27. Seth can verify the fact that I texted him that. Um, and, and, And so... I got inspired by Little Shop of Forest. No longer am I going to give these stupid ass predictions. We're going to go with real predictions. And I'm going to put real, real kind of impetus behind it. Ultimately, yeah, there it is, 35.27. It's there. Um, I'm going to start with a prediction that USF is going to win. If USF doesn't win, <laughs> I'll do the beer mile. We'll uh, we'll head up in that and have a little uh, little fun live show. We'll do the beer mile up at USF. It'll be uh, it'll be quite the show. For those who don't know it, you drink a beer every quarter mile. Uh, so one lap around, uh, you know, first lap, chug a beer, so forth and so forth. I am that confident that I'm willing to put my body on the line in this situation. But the prediction itself, USF wins 34. So 21 we're done I'm just stupid predictions
0: we're done I'm I'm I am flabbergasted we're done
3: we're, we're gonna we're gonna get real serious here
0: <laughs> I mean to be fair your outlandish predictions haven't worked so maybe we go for real and and we'll go from there
3: I think my favorite part about the game was uh, at 24 to 10. I mess I messaged the group chat and I said just saying 5510 is on the table and the Jimmy Horn right after fumbled that kickoff and I immediately said never mind it is on the board now
0: <laughs>
2: I I too uh I think underrated point here. Now uh, first of all, Whoops. two things. Underrated point, Steve said he's not gonna be ridiculous anymore, and back to back weeks has claimed that his prediction has come from different uh, movie musicals. So I appreciate that. Uh, the second one, the other underrated point, if Timmy McClain plays well, this could be a game. He has not played well the last two weeks. If he had played well a little bit better last week, they probably win easily. So if he does play well to Nathan's point, they've got a good chance to really put on some points this week. So,
3: Even nice and easy with him, I know. Weiss is a smart guy. I know Scott's a smart guy. Start him off easy. Quick little hitch routes, RPOs, get him in the groove, then try to uncork it. Uh, I think they went to, to try to uncork it a little too quickly, but you know, that's just my uh, my sort of speed.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Nathan's, I, think, I think Nathan's frozen. So uh, this has been the Illuminati Podcast brought to you by Irish 31. Steve, tell them about Irish 31. Uh,
3: it's a fantastic establishment. Uh, it is my go-to uh, drinking well to uh, partake in a few after-work beverages, uh, particularly Friday beers, can cannot beat an Irish Thirty-One Friday beer after work. It is by far the best place to go. There are multiple locations. I I can't remember. I know Data said it. I think it's either six or seven. Uh, the Hyde Park one. That's the one that I'll be at. It's the one I'm normally at, anyways. Uh, there's one at the West Shore Plaza. It's one in Oviedo, Seminole, Sarasota. There's probably one in Sarasota. Indian. There's, there's multiple. They're, they're great locations, great food, great beers, great drink specials too. Yeah. Um, you watch our hope oh, if fact, thank God because I was fumbling.
2: I know. Steve, Steve was just telling him how great Irish Thirty One is.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. So, uh, Irish Thirty One for all of your USF needs. Uh, this coming uh, game day, go there uh, before the game, and then head down to the stadium, and then. Uh, Thursday, October 28th for the ECU game, we will be having a watch party, the daily stampede annual watch party. We, we didn't have it last year. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to try to do it big this year, come out to the Hyde Park, uh, location. Uh, there's going to be one in Seminole for the folks who can't make it up to the Hyde Park, uh, location as well. Um, be sure to check them out. They're, they're great folks. Uh, just yeah. Go patron, patron nice. Patronize. Yeah. That seems weird. Uh, patronize those locations. Uh, you know, Steve, you, you, I think you hit all of them. West chase, West shore, Wesley chapel, Seminole, Vito, uh, and, and the like. Uh, but for uh, all the glitches for Seth, for Stig, uh, for, for Colin Sherwin coming on and, and talking uh, conference realignment, this is, nathan signing off for uh another edition of the bluminati podcast proudly proudly presented by Irish 31 go bulls go bulls, go bulls. Go bulls.